The Casey Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Live from Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, here's your host, Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the KC Legend Show right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Sterling Holmes, live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway, will be here until 7 p.m. for the Chiefs KC Legends Show. Every Monday from 6 to 7, we'll be here live with special guests, former Chiefs players, getting their inside perspectives on their career, the past Chiefs game, and a look ahead to the upcoming one. Tonight's special guest is former Chiefs wide receiver, Mr. 99, Mark Bowrichter. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? You should have switched your number to 99. Did you ever think about it? Yeah, it's not a good number. You can't really First do of all, it wasn't eligible. Illegal. It wasn't an then. eligible number, yeah, for me to do that. So Would you have now that the numbers you you, you could no. do it now? No, but I think I could have rocked like a single digit at some point. What? One. I don't know about one. Well, because that's that's the you know hundred minus ninety nine. Yes. One. No, I got you. Yeah. I, I understand where you're going with that. Yeah, you're picking it up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm picking it up. Smart dude. Up. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah. how's it going? I'm, I'm doing well, man. I mean. I so guess I've I'm seen doing you twice well. now in two days. Yeah, right? we, we did the pregame show <laughs> Sunday, and the vibe was a lot different, a lot more optimistic. You and I were very enthusiastic Sunday morning, and now we're sitting here on Monday evening in a little. Uh, we're disappointed, but also I think we have a good outlook here because you and I were talking before the show yeah. here, and we're, we're saying here, you know what? The Chiefs are still eight and four. They, they they still, while they might not control their old own destiny, they have a relatively easy stretch to end the season. Yeah, the offense struggled. Yeah, the defense had their worst game of the season. But again, in the grand scheme of things, let's take a step back here. They still have Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones. They still have pieces. They're still built for the future as well. They're not teams like the Bengals or the Bills where they right. went all in. Look at the Bills right, right now. That defense is ancient, and they might miss the playoffs. Yeah. They're about to tear that thing down. The Chiefs right now, uh, Briscoe's favorite stat, the youngest defense by snap adjustment in the NFL still. They're young, they're, they're, they're learning, and they're incredible. Like The Chiefs are still in a very good spot. They are. They're still two games up in the AFC West, right? <laughs> which is the most important thing to start, to be honest with you. Because, number one, that automatically gets you into the playoffs, right? And I think when you know you look at... This team, are there areas of concern? Yes, there are. But you know what? The Baltimore Ravens have areas of concern. You know, yeah. um, the Jacksonville Jaguars playing tonight have areas of concern. Like, there's are- the Dolphins uh, with their schedule down the stretch here. They've got areas of concern also, right? But all these are really good teams. That's why the NFL is set up the way it is. You can call it parity. You can call it competitiveness. You can call it whatever you want. It's set up to be difficult. <laughs> and these are the best athletes in the world playing this game and was last night disappointing absolutely but i go back to a lot of the mistakes that were made of course of the game and i've been saying this for weeks that you know the margin for error is so small in the national football league and the margin for success is so small in the national football league and We've been fortunate enough in Kansas City over the last couple of years that they've been able to overcome some of those mistakes when they've had during games, whether it be the defense not being as good as it is now, sure. uh, all those types of things. There's still an opportunity at the end of the game to go win it, you know. Multiple and, times. And, and a bad non-call and a pass interference, you know. There are also two other calls right before that that, you know, went against the Packers, the, the personal foul against Patrick Mahomes on the you know, MVS was his forward progress was stopped yeah. before he got out of bounds. Like those things all went to Chiefs' favor too. But you know, they're still eight and four at this point, and control really their own destiny down the stretch here. And that's that's all you really want to be as a player, 
as a coach, I know it's not what fans want to hear right now because sure. they're pressing the panic button a little bit, but just take a step back, take a deep breath. I understand people are frustrated, but and, and I know they've been talking about getting this offense fixed. It's not completely broken. That's the thing. It's not tragically awful or anything else. The Jets. Yes. Like, they are still fine. And the loss last night right now just makes this coming week more important, though, against the Buffalo Bills, which you and I talked about this yesterday in the pregame show. This next week against the Buffalo Bills was going to be more important anyway at the end of the day because it's an AFC opponent. Bills are fighting for their playoff lives right now, all that kind of stuff. We're just in a situation right now where we didn't get the outcome you wanted last night against a good Green Bay team, too. And then to, to top it all off real quickly, you lose your starting linebacker and Drew Tranquil in the first quarter, right, to a concussion. Brian Cook goes down. They don't show us the replay. Fortunately, some of the reports came out today that the x-rays were negative. Who knows, right, ultimately what happened. It wasn't good. No. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but that's starter number two, and – now, hopefully, you get Nick Bolton back. But yeah. but all of a sudden, you're putting Cochran in at middle linebacker with the green dot, who hasn't played a ton this year, asking him to control the whole defense. I thought Green Bay did a great job of pushing the tempo mm-hmm. when he was in there and doing some different things. Because you can see they were discombobulated for a little bit. You can be as prepared as you want to be as a backup coming in, but all of a sudden, you get thrown into the fire like that, and it's not – right after a drive happened or something, right? It's in the middle of it. Um, a lot of chaos can ensue, and they looked out of sorts a little bit last night defensively, but when they needed to in the second half, they got some stops, and they, they were back to their old bend but don't break. Uh, I want to start with the first two drives of the game here, right? Because I think yeah. this is a good example of why I've said it for a couple of weeks now, and, and maybe it's uh, time for me to stop taking the crazy pills, but reasons for optimism, right? Yeah. Because the Chiefs moved the ball extremely effectively the first two drives. What was the difference between the Green Bay Packers' first two drives and the Chiefs? The red zone. Right. That's what it came down yep. to. The Chiefs, yep. um, a bad hold against Creed Humphrey didn't go their way, right? What, yeah, which wasn't a good call either. Well, it yes. wasn't a good call. But, but it but, happened down there. But, yep. but it happened, and they stalled. Uh, they gave up a couple sacks, and they stalled while the Packers did not. That was the difference to, to me in this game was mm-hmm. those first two drives, what happened? Packers uh, scored two touchdowns. Yep. The Chiefs had two field goals. But they've had these issues all season long. It's not like this is a one-off for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Why or how can the Chiefs get better in the red zone? I know a lot of times people like to think of it as a, you know, they'll, they'll eventually revert to the mean. It can be very finicky, right? It, it just, you don't have as many opportunities once you get to the red zone, so the numbers will always be wonky. But there does seem to be something off. The, the penalties go up, the sacks go up, and all of a sudden the Chiefs go back. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, the turnovers, too, that they've had in the red yeah, zone also, right? Like. All those things. Now, how do you fix it, right? Number one, you got to get it fixed, but sure. how do you do it? I think it just comes down to the attention to detail when you're down there. And I know that's cliche and easy to say when you look at it, but, you know, they're not that far off. And that's the thing. You, you know, and we went through this in the Philadelphia game. You know, if Kelsey doesn't fumble, you know, all those different things down there, you know, they're, they're in a different spot, you sure. know, and Mahomes doesn't throw that pick. Like, we're talking about the score being 30 points for the Chiefs and they're winning Monday Night Football. It's – the margin of error is so slim. You just have to be – you have to be better. And you're never going to be perfect down there. But you can't rest on your laurels that every time you've gotten down there before in the past, you punched it in. Sure. That's, I think, the big thing is, is looking at that. The other thing that I think you're seeing that's been established here over the last two weeks specifically is – they're starting to dedicate more to the run game. 
right? And that was big time last night with Isaiah Pacheco. And I'm not saying – I'm a guy that wants to throw the ball, trust me, as a former wide receiver, okay? <laughs> but you got to run the ball effectively and efficiently, and they were doing that all night last night. Where I thought they went away from it was the pick when Mahomes threw to Sky Moore. It was actually an RPO. They should have run the ball in that situation on the first down after the penalty. But there are some bright spots here, and I think what people need to understand about this team is the receiving core for the most part is all the same as it was a year ago. Right. The only difference is there's no Juju Smith-Schuster, and that guy's been replaced by Rasheed Rice. That's where that's where that, that's a trade for trade right there. Okay, when you look at it. But they've got to figure out a way to win games in different different um, different scenarios than they've won in years past. And part of that is because your defense is better than it's been in years past. Yeah. Um, you still got 15 at quarterback. You still got Travis Kelsey there. You got a guy in Isaiah Pacheco a year ago as a as a seventh round pick who came on late in the year. Um, really all season, right? But really down the stretch. Jarek McKinnon is out this game. He's been banged up. He's your, your second portion of this that has done well down the stretch for him. You get to just find a way to win games in different in different scenarios and in different ways. And that's, that's I think, where they're still trying to navigate that a little bit. And I think fans are trying to navigate that, and everybody's trying to navigate that too as well. What I found interesting, and again, maybe I'm I'm wrong in my math here, but I don't think I am. We mentioned Isaiah Pacheco so effective on the ground. They were running the ball at will, 6.1 yards per carry. Yep. They were taking advantage of a weak Green Bay front. I said going into that game, watch out for Pacheco because that's the best way to beat this Green Bay defense. They're horrible against uh, opposing running backs. Yeah. And it worked. But then the fourth quarter came around. Yeah. One carry for Pacheco. One carry. That's, that's one thing I was – talking to myself and my son last night as we were watching this game is I was like and I hadn't gone I haven't gone through the play by play yet right so I, I, t- I, you know, I just I, did I know so, and I yeah. have time to do it because I'm on tomorrow with the border patrol right on stuff and so tonight I'll go through it a little bit more on things and I haven't had time to go through it today but I was thinking back to those last couple possessions obviously the very last possession of the game he got ejected for throwing the punch right so yeah. the last few plays he wasn't in but I started thinking, like, he was over 100 yards or 108 yards right in the third quarter, and he finished with, like, 108 yards. It was 108 yards, and then he had one carry for two yards yeah. to start the fourth, so, and that was it. And I know they were playing from behind a little bit and things, but it was still working all game long. So, you know, they went away from it a little bit in that scenario. I'd like to see them stick with it. I mentioned the one play where I thought they really should have run the ball. It's easy for people to say that in hindsight, but sure. even in that situation, I was like, why are they throwing it here? But I think it's a bright spot because you've got some big road graders up front that are good. Wanya Morris, I thought, played pretty well coming in as a left tackle last night. One of the best ways you can get guys in the field offensively, and Grunny's probably said this to you when he's been on here, is to run the football, right? Yeah. Like You get guys in a groove from an offensive line standpoint where they're firing out and being the aggressors. And they've improved in short yardage situations over the last few weeks. There are a lot of bright spots here coming down the stretch these last few games, which is why I'm extremely still positive about everything. Uh, former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Bo Richter is our guest. Again, we are here for the KC Legend Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Let's talk about the wide receivers, right? Obviously, the big play of the game was the interception to Sky Moore. We, we've talked about it a couple times now as far as the play. Maybe should have been a run to begin with. Shouldn't even put Sky in that situation. The rub never happened. The cornerback was off a little bit, right? He, he saw the play, right? Yeah. Mahomes did a little something. The, the, the defensive back for Green Bay picked up what was going on. Great play by him. Yep. Sometimes you tip your cap. But at the same time, what is a bad throw doesn't always have to be an interception, right? Yeah. Sky Moore l- looked to me, and maybe you have a better understanding here, because 
the rub didn't happen. So when that doesn't happen for a wide receiver, you're not thinking the ball's coming your way. But the ball did come his way. You, yeah. you still have to run a, a full route, unless I'm mistaken here, but it looked like he kind of gave up on the play. So I've got a couple of different thoughts on this, okay? Um, first of all, I don't know what happened. I don't think anybody does, right? Ultimately, I want to sure. preface that. What it looks like to me, and I'm going to defend Sky Moore here in this situation, is you know, you hear now after the fact a Green Bay guy said he saw something, right? Yeah. Mahomes happened. Whether that's true or not, who knows? What we do know is that Mahomes clearly checked, yeah. right, to something out there and saw it. And his comments after the game, Patrick Mahomes took the responsibility for it like he's always going to do, no matter what. Um, but what I see in that situation, you talked about the rub, pick, whatever you want to call it. Didn't happen. The corner plays, defensive back plays over the top of it. I see Sky Moore ultimately needs to keep running his route, okay? But I also see what he was thinking on this piece, and that is Mahomes is going to throw his back shoulder to me because he knows this guy's coming over the top. He's going to throw it on a quick little line to me right here, short of that guy. Mahomes didn't read it that way, right? I don't think it was a great throw. I don't think – Agreed. I don't think, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes is absolved of criticism, you know, in this scenario too. Um, But the, the reality is nobody knows exactly what happened. I also think it's easy for a lot of people and armchair quarterbacks, you know, or folks that are sitting at the sports book out here watching this game to go because of the disappointment of how Sky Moore has been production wise to automatically blame it on that. Sure. Right. I think it's, I think it, so when I say I have a lot of thoughts on it, I think it's a myriad of factors that happened. I think the guy made a great play. Now, that being said, you'd like to see Sky Moore continue that at full speed and then let Patrick Mahomes throw him on his back shoulder, potentially. Because if he is running at full speed, maybe he's got a chance to at least knock that away and it's not a pick in that situation. Yeah. Oh, one of the guys I want to talk about is MVS. He, he's yeah. taken a lot of criticism in recent weeks, but again, when you're the highest paid wide receiver on this team, you're the veteran, right? Uh, I, I think it's a little fair and people are going to start pointing at you. He's on the field a ton. He obviously, obviously his snap count has started to go down, reeled back in just a little bit as the emergence of Rasheed Rice has gone up. But again, it still feels like for being such a deep ball threat, he's constantly not on the same page as Mahomes. Yeah. Um, you saw it last night. Again, this is all going to be a little speculation, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll speculate on this too. But, but, I, yeah. but, but it, it seems like, to me, Mahomes sees the safety over the top. Yeah. He sees the open space. Hell, hell I'm going to throw the open space. This is the deep ball throw to the open space so it's not in harm's way. MVS goes into the safety help. So, of course, he gets turned like a pretzel, right. and it's right. uh, it's an incomplete pass. It looks bad, yeah. But, but my point is, if, if he's the veteran guy, if he's the guy who's supposed to know where to be, he's he's now been in this system for a while now, he's supposed to be on the same page as Mahomes. The whole thought of not playing these rookies or playing Rasheed Rice more, Kadarius Tony more is, you know what, they're not on the same page. But if the veteran guy is not doing the veteran things, why not play the younger dudes? Well, I think some of that will come. I do. I, I think, too, with this, when you look at this offense – it is not a very rigid offense, right? There's a lot of improv uh, as a part of it. And when I say improv, improvisation, option routes, right? It's not run what's on the paper, yeah. on timing. There are some of that, those aspects of this offense. But a lot of it is made on off-schedule throws with Patrick Mahomes also. You know, after two and a half, three seconds, sometimes four or five as he scrambles around. So you're not always seeing everything that completely happens. Um, you know, in that play... Typically in offenses on routes like that, okay, he had an outside release, okay, and then a vertical release. So it's a burst release, 
jet release. Every offense calls it a little bit different, whatever they want to. Sure. Someone just call it an outside release on this, outside step. And he starts kind of up the, up the inside of the numbers. Usually when you look at passing games and concepts, there are landmarks for guys on the field, right? So it could be a corner route, and you're saying, okay, if we're on the plus side of the 50-yard line, okay, your angle is the near pylon, right? If we're back further, your angle is the back pylon. Or it could be inside the red zone, now you're the back pylon or short. Like My point is there are variations to, sure. to different things on paper when you look at our landmarks. One of the landmarks when you're talking about seams, especially in the National Football League, is up the inside edge of the numbers. Now, it sure looked like that's where Mahomes thought he was going to stay, right, away from the safety. Um, I'm curious to look at this on the All-22 because, which obviously I think he's out tomorrow on stuff, because when he runs it and when they showed the end zone shot of that, I don't know if he still hits him if he's on the inside edge of the numbers. Okay? Because I thought there was my personal opinion on this. Not that there's a little too much error on the ball. Anyway, um, so the fact of the matter is they weren't on the same page, right? That's the that's the fact of the matter. All that being said on that piece, we're too far along right now for these types of things to keep happening. And the reason I say that is sometimes less is more. Sometimes you got to go back to not just exactly what's on paper, but you're going to run it this way, right? And we're going to hit the seam where we need to hit it. And if the safety's playing over you more on that side, then we got to go away from that read. We got to go to a different read, right? Like that's, I think sometimes the simplicity can help things because if you're not on the same page in an offense, you can freelance. You got to be on the same page. It's hard to see what the quarterback's seeing every single time. And when you talk about a couple years ago when Tyree Kill was here, Obviously, you see that with Travis Kelsey. You're talking about four to five years, or in Kelsey's case, more, that they've all been with Mahomes, and they have a better understanding of that, even though MBS is here in the second year. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. For me, what I found, it's an uncomfortable thing for me to say, because the, the, the Chiefs, I thought, found something in the second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter of the Raiders game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But and so for me, it's like sitting here going, okay, finally the Chiefs found some. They took what was given. Mahomes didn't try and force the ball. How many? How many throws in that Raiders game from the second quarter on did Mahomes force? Yeah, didn't it seem like very many? Yeah. No, I mean, he, and the thing was, as, as you're mentioning, it seemed like everything kind of was sim, simpli, uh, yeah. simplified. It, yeah. it was simple. Yeah. And then I, and then I'm sitting here going, they figured something out. And then I watched this game and I go. They didn't figure it out. And, and that's why it's uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. is is you think they finally found something that, that, that shows you. They can score 31 points in three quarters even if they don't have Tyreek Hill, yeah. even if they don't have the explosive plays that you typically have. And I thought for me that that was a, a great step forward of they realized something. Yeah. And then in this game, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't learn from that it's, from, it's, from that success and that, to me, was frustrating. Yeah, I think that's the frustrating part is, you know, just when they take two steps forward, right, it seems like, or in this case with one game with the Raiders, one step forward, all of a sudden it feels like two steps back. Yeah. And in previous years, and not to keep comparing it to previous years, but that's what everybody's comparing this to right now, is that when they've had a couple games like this, they've always got it fixed. And it hasn't been just one game against the Raiders, it's, but another three-game stretch or a four-game stretch. And then they might have a stinker in sure. there, right, somewhere. But you've seen a three- or four-game stretch where they've got it figured out. 
I'm still confident they're going to figure this out, right? And when I say figured out, I'm not saying they're going to all of a sudden start scoring 35 more points a game, like 35 points a game anymore. I think it's they're learning how to win with this team, with this roster construction, and the differences there. And you're also at the point in the season that you got to live with it. This yeah. is your roster, right? No, there's not there's not a veteran guy sitting in the sports book with us out here right yeah. now, right? You, you Receiver don't, you, wise, you don't see Mike Evans yeah. wanting to get out of uh, Tampa. Jarvis right here. Landry sitting over here isn't coming out to play. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like it's just it's not going to happen at this point. So you've got your roster, you're set on where you're at. You've got to go with the guys you've got at this point. And and at the end of the day, I'm going to put all my faith in Andy Reid. He's winning as head coach. And the only winningest head coach for two separate organizations, like that, that says something. It's nuts. It is it, crazy. It, it honestly is pretty pretty crazy. You look back at some of the numbers, and I, I think the same thing with Travis Kelsey, right? You know, how people have like yeah. have been saying, you know, Travis looks looks off. He looks a little older and slower, and he's talked about the injuries. You know, yeah. when you're 34 years old, yeah. you've taken I'm, I'm that many he's hits. He's 34. Like, but, but but it makes me laugh to to an extent too, because again, it's the same situation we're talking about of. Maybe not being spoiled, but spoiled by greatness, where you take it for granted sometimes because yeah. you're so. You, he's still on pace for over a K. Yes, he's still the best tight end in football, yeah. and we're sitting here like, yeah, man, he, I don't know, he could be washed. <laughs> and he's, he's sitting here he's like, gonna have what it's is absurd. Be, is be eight season eight or nine over yeah. a thousand straight. Like yeah. that's ridiculous. It, it's it, absolutely ridiculous the production that he still has, right? Even at this age and and everything else. I, I it's. This is a, an organization that I think when you look at how much it's been through, it took 50 years to win another Super Bowl, yeah. right? 50. And they have been extremely stable since Andy Reid got here. And even with Alex Smith when they were here, were they disappointed from time to time? Yes. But they got over the hump of finally winning a playoff game, got a little bit further. And even when you look at this, the Patrick Mahomes era on things, there have been some bumps in the road in the playoffs. You go back to that Texans game the year they won it when they're down <laughs> ridiculous out in, in the first quarter. Like, and come back and win. They've found ways to win when it matters. And at the end of the day, getting into the playoffs in the National Football League is number one, right? You win your division, you're automatically in. Plus, you got some wild card spots. All you got to do is give yourself a chance in the tournament. Get yourself in an opportunity. Maybe some other things happen, somebody gets knocked off, or maybe you just go on a run like they have in previous years. Like, that's all you need to do is get yourself there and then let the cards, you know, after the season's over with, if they don't get past the divisional round or the wild card round or whatever, we can talk about it was a disappointing year, right, potentially. But with the moves they've had to make, replacing two tackles, you know, money doesn't grow on trees on the salary cap side of things. You have to make some concessions somewhere along the lines, and that's what they've done. And you're, you know... The first couple of years, you were fortunate Patrick Mahomes was on a rookie contract. Yes. At some point, that bill starts coming due, right? <laughs> and you have to start adjusting the guys around you. And don't get me wrong, I think there's going to be some changes to the receiving core this offseason, right? Like, there's going to be. But right now, this is where they're at, and they're still in a great spot at 8-4. and four. Again, the Chiefs are 8-4. and four. Big game against the Bills coming up next week. We are live here at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Richter is our guest. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the KC Legend Show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Again, Sterling Holmes live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. We'll be here until 7 p.m. Joined 
by former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Bo Richter. Mark, you were close. You are now the silver medalist for the time you got here. Tim Gr- Grunny still got you. Grunny tried to prove a point, and so he got here 21 minutes early. You got here 18. Still good, though. Still yeah, good. Yeah, if you're not first, you're last, right? Eight, 18 minutes of preparation here early is impressive. And you, and you mentioned you may have gotten here earlier, but it was the construction that kind of slowed yeah, you down. Yeah, I got turned around yeah. in here from they're doing the construction of the sports books. I thought maybe you guys were up in the turn in the turn bar up there for yeah. a second. Where we had the kickoff, Chiefs party, things like that. Yeah, no, we were hiding from I you, actually, specifically. We're good. We're fine. We're yeah. good. Um, I, I do want to talk about the coaching staff, right? Because this, yeah. uh, this has been the ire of a lot of Chiefs fans. They're talking about Connor Embry, the wide receiver coach. They're talking about Matt Nagy, the the new offensive coordinator, the um, moving on of Eric Bieniemy, right? And, mm-hmm. and just the discombobulation, it seems like, of the coaching staff now that there's been so many moving parts. What is your take right now on the moving parts at, at the coaching staff for Kansas City? Well, number one, um, I think it's actually been tremendous that Andy Reid has been able to keep this coaching staff together for the most part over the years because the moment you start having a lot of success, guys start you know, getting other opportunities, which they have. Matt Nagy obviously became the head coach of the Bears for a while, things like that. Um, you know, if you want to go whether they're missing Eric Bieniemy or not in this whole deal, let's be real. This is Andy Reid's offense, yep. okay? I think everybody knows that. Um, yes, Eric Bieniemy calls some plays. Yes, Matt Nagy calls plays. Yes, Andy Reid calls plays. It's a, it's a, it's a true collaboration on things. Um, you know, I do wonder a little bit if they're missing the fire and the and the you know the red A that that Eric Bieniemy can be. You know, from time to time, holding guys accountable to things and a standard there. Um, but I don't think that's something you can truly pinpoint on it. You know, Matt Nagy definitely has a different personality than Eric Bieniemy does. Sure. Um, he's an intense guy, though, also. I will tell you that. Um, when it comes down to it, you just may not see it as publicly sometimes you did with Eric Bieniemy. But, you know, there, there could be something to that a little bit, but I don't think necessarily there is. I think, again, this is just every year in the National Football League, your team is not the same as it was the year before. Your roster's not the same. There's always turnover. There's always guys moving on in free agency. There's guys that you're not going to have back. There's guys that were played a role in your team a year ago, and they come to training camp with you, and you cut, they cut you because the draft picks are better. Sure. Um, it's just the natural evolution of the not-for-long league for guys <laughs> in a lot of cases, right? And so I think when, when you look at all those factors combined, I, I, again, I think it's kind of the sum of all the parts you know, on things. I think they could be missing a little bit of that intensity from EB. But it's not something I think that you can sit there and point at and go, this is the exact reason why they're different this year. Before we talk about the salary cap era, because I think you and I had a, a fun talk actually before the show, yeah. I, I would like to get and dive a little deeper into the whole salary cap era that, that, that the, the Chiefs are playing in, and, and quite frankly, every team in the NFL right. is playing, which is why you can't always keep your best players. But Connor Embry is the last piece I want to talk about mm-hmm. as far as the coaching staff here. He's gotten a lot, a lot of hate mail on Twitter. If I were him, I, w- I would not be on social media because I, I, I feel bad for the guy. Because I'm sitting here going, do people seriously think if, if, if there's a different wide receiver coach in town, the Chiefs are all of a sudden here 12-0? I, I think people actually are out there and believe that. Now, I'm not saying that the wide receivers um, are playing to the fullest of their potential, but I think it's very hard to all of a sudden blame it all on the wide receiver coach. What is your thought 
on the wide receiver coach, obviously you playing in the NFL, yeah. being a wide receiver, how much impact do they have? How much input do they have? How much difference can they make? How much can they bring you down? How much development do you actually get from these guys? Uh, it's a complicated question. Um, and the reason I say that is, like, my receivers coach here was Charlie Joyner, uh, Hall of Famer, okay, yeah. from the Chargers. Um, not a better guy to learn from, sure. okay? But at the same time, with Charlie, like, we ran the same offense that he did back then, but in a different style, in a different way, okay? Charlie could certainly translate a lot that to us. There's sometimes when you start looking at position coaches around the National Football League, and I'm not saying that's the case here in Kansas City, but there are guys that don't develop players very well. Sure. Okay? And sometimes I think it's overblown a little bit about how good some coaches are and somehow how they aren't. In specifics, Connor Embry, don't really know much about him, okay, from my standpoint on things. But he's kind of followed the natural evolution of offensive analyst, defensive analyst, quality control guy. As guys have moved up, right, it's kind of the natural progression of things. Now, does he not click with the guys in that room? That could be a situation, right, where if the personalities don't click – um, then guys don't respect him, right, on certain things. And, again, I'm not saying that's a scenario here whatsoever. I'm just talking to it when you talk about coaches. There are there are players that go to certain situations, not just receiver-wise. It could be a defensive end. It could be an offensive lineman. And you're like, why is he better that the, there than he was here? Sure. Part of it's the situation, the style of offense they play. Some of it's the coaching. They just they click better, right? They, 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 there's, there's more synergy there between those people. If they don't feel there's synergy there at this point, they're not going to – Andy Reid is not going to come and make staff changes in the middle of the year at this point. Like, we'll find that out after the season's over. Sure. So does it come into play? Yes, it does. Is uh, the, quote, hate mail and different things to him um, warranted? No, I don't think it is. He's not out there playing. Right? At the end of the day, it's in the players that execute. Yeah. For me, what I find a little – in trying to bring some nuance into the equation here is – the Chiefs wide receivers, for the most part, even with some of the, the high draft picks, have not lived up to expectations. And this is pre-Connor Embry, right? Yes. Th- this yeah. is pre-Connor Embry. McCall Hartman's second-round draft pick, I think a lot of folks would probably say, again, he's, he's been a, a, a good NFL wide receiver, but I think the expectations were higher. Uh, Sky Moore, again, only in his second year. But, again, you see some of the guys drafted after him, fair or unfair. That's the way it's always going to be. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, well, has he reached his uh, pinnacle here? MVS, everyone thought he was going to take a step forward when he came to Kansas City. I think you can make the case he's had some regression here in Kansas City. So Kadarius Tony has been injured, so it's a little tough to make that argument there. But I, but I do think it's a little unfair to blame this all on one guy when you had some of the same issues of development. Is it scouting? Is it the yeah. fact that Andy Ridge only had five 1,000-yard receivers in his tenure, not just in Kansas City but in with, with Philly as well, right? I mean, it's a spread-out offense, yeah. and, and I wonder if it's the scheme's too hard for young guys to pick up, but I think it's a very nuanced conversation, and blaming one dude in my mind seems a little unfair. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think the one, if there's one position you'd look at, in this regime where they haven't drafted well, right? Or maybe the guys haven't lived up to the expectations. It's the receivers on stuff. I think the factor in that is you moved up both in the second round to go get Sky Moore. You moved up in the second round to get McCole Hartman. You've got Rasheed Rice now moved up to get Rasheed Rice. Sure. Like, who, for all intents and purposes, as we watch him develop here, has had a good rookie year. 
people forget McCole Hartman had a really, really good rookie year here. Yeah, it was solid. Offense, right? I think seven touchdowns looked really good. And, and I've been on McCole here, and people know this, because I don't think he fights for the football very much as a wide receiver. I want him to do that more. But I also think that he's been a lot better player here, and I've said this before, than people give him credit for, too. I think sometimes you can't help where you're drafted. <laughs> okay? <laughs> right? You can't help where you're drafted. All the evaluations are there. When you're talking about high-round picks in the first or second or third round, typically a lot of the other teams feel the same way about you, in a sense, from an evaluation side of things. The draft is a complete crapshoot, right? And so the comparisons to other receivers, which is a natural piece to be, or whether it's to a defensive end or a starting quarterback, right? We all look at Patrick Mahomes and go, we fleeced the Buffalo Bills out of that. And what were the Bears doing? <laughs> the Bears, Trimmons, yeah. Right? Like, hindsight's always twenty twenty when you look at it. But I think that, you know, you want these guys to be good, solid players for it. And quite frankly, a second-round pick, a lot of people assume should be like an all-pro type of player. You want a guy that can be a four- or five-year starter for you and a contributor the entire time. That's really what you're looking for in those high-round picks. And they've drafted really well here in Kansas City. They've, got, they've hit well um, – on some later round picks like a Legarius Sneed and, and the the Josh Williams of the world, the guys, you know, that you're seeing now in the secondary. It's just the one spot. They haven't dedicated a ton of draft capital to the wide receiver position either. Sure. Since they've all been here. And I think part of that is, you know, Andy Reid has always brought in some veterans. They traded for Sammy Watkins, obviously, several years ago on things. They brought in MBS. He brought in Juju Smith Schuster on a one year deal. I think part of that is you look at it and say, our scheme and our offense and our quarterback are good enough. If we need to make a sacrificial piece to the salary cap portion of stuff, we're still got some guys we're paying here, but we feel like we can get by without having, quote, a big-name guy. And quite frankly, sometimes those big-name guys are a pain in the butt, right? Because we are arrogant as all get-out as wide receivers. We're always open, no matter what, and we always want the ball. And sometimes, and we've seen that. You see that around the league with guys. Sure. They've been able to corral all those guys. I'm not saying the guys on this team over the past several years have been that way. But they've been able to get stuff out of guys, and they're always going to spread the football around. Well, I think it was a good lead into the salary cap era, right? Because yeah. the Chiefs, when you have a quarterback who's no longer on a rookie deal, even if it is a quote unquote team friendly deal, right. it's still not a rookie contract. You have to pay everyone else on the team. And the Chiefs, in my mind, they thought, okay, Mahomes can elevate wide receivers. You know what he can't elevate? The defense. We've seen the defense quite frankly, it was atrocious for years, and the offense had to score 35-plus points a game to win. So they said, you know what? Let's make it so that Mahomes does not have to do that. Let's make it so if he scores 35, the team still has a chance to win. If he scores 25, the team still has a chance to win. So they focused a lot of draft capital and, quite frankly, free agent money on the defense. Charles Aminahu, that was a big free agent signing outside of Juwan Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Mike Edwards, uh, Drew Tranquil? They tried getting some veteran pieces right there. First-round draft picks. George Karloftis, FAU, Trent McDuffie, second-rounders and third-rounders, Brian Cook, uh, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., Leo Chennault, right? Mm-hmm. This has been a concerted effort in my mind over the past couple seasons to try and bolster this defense. What we're seeing now is the the, the game plan. Well, I think it was sound personally. I actually like what Brett Veach did. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I, I think it made sense in my mind. I still think it makes sense. Just the returns have not been there at wide receiver. You can have the right process but come up with the wrong result. And I think that's what we're seeing right now at wide receiver compared to the defense. Yeah, and I think also when you're looking at putting pieces to the puzzle together, 
you brought up Mike Edwards and Drew Tranquil, right? Those are veteran guys that didn't sign for large deals, mm-hmm. right? Good quality, quote, low-priced sure. free agents. They're not on veteran minimums necessarily, but they're good low-priced free agents that are puzzle pieces into it. you got to put a roster together with 53 guys that everybody fits under the cap. It's actually a few more than that, but that's you know where it comes into play. It's not just about one year. It's about understanding when you have Patrick Mahomes, you've signed him to a long-term deal, you're now allocating more to the cap to him than you had the previous four years. That's understood. You have to make some sacrifices on, quote, big-name free agents or how much you're paying certain guys. That all being said, you've got one of the best, if not the best quarterbacks in the National Football League right now, you want to try to maintain a level of competitiveness and being able to challenge for a title every single year. How do you do that? Well, number one, again, you have to make some cuts along the way. But then additionally, you got to have young guys that can step in. You have to draft well. Young guys that can step in on rookie deals for the longevity of things. You can't be the Buffalo Bills who gave sure. Vaughn Miller an absolute ton of money, mm-hmm. right? But because they've gotten beat by the Chiefs a couple of years in the playoffs, they're like, <laughs> we're one or two guys away. Were they and are they? Maybe so. But now they've been decimated by injuries on their defensive side as well. It's 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 a little bit different than going all in at one year. And when you look at the Chiefs, they were up against the salary cap this year. They're in pretty good shape going into next year. However, okay, you've got Willie Gay Jr. entering free agency. You've got LeJarius Sneed entering free agency. After year three of the National Football League, you can start extending guys. Um, that rule changed several years ago. It used to be able year two, you could go ahead and get an extension done. You can't do that now. It's got to be after year three. Nick Bolton's after year three, right? Now, with his injury, does that help the Chiefs out in terms of not having to do an extension with him yet? Sure. Yeah, sure it does, right? Uh, Creed um, Humphrey, Creed, Trey Smith. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting to the <laughs> offensive line. You got Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, those two guys. Um, now becomes the difficult part, too, of making decisions on, okay – who have we developed underneath this with the other younger guys? Who can maybe take their spot? You look at what the talent is in the draft coming up. Um, you know you're probably going to be drafting at the end of the first round. That's the other portion of this, it's, you know, which is a good thing to be because you're deep in the playoffs every single year. All these factors come into play. It's not fantasy football where you can just go get, you know, you're this telling guy me I can't, I can't in free agency because we need a pass rusher and we're going to pay him $15 million to come in. It just doesn't work that way. And for the people that were complaining about FAU, I, I think it's a little unfair to him. Uh, the reason being is when you're at that spot, and the, 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 the rumors have been the Chiefs either tried moving up, tried moving down. Again, it takes two to tango. They're there. What wide receiver were they going to get at that spot that was currently not drafted? Like I, I know they, they look at like Jackson's uh, JSN for for Seattle, right? Well, he went well before them. They couldn't get up that high. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Draft a wide receiver? No, no, no. They they took the best in their mind, best player available. And even yeah. though he was not necessarily going to play this year, again, going to your point, you're still building for the future. Because if you do what the Bills did, and that happens, not only have they not won a Super Bowl. They did not win it with Josh Allen on a rookie contract. Right. Well, now he's up for his yeah. extension. That's coming up. Stephon Diggs 
perpetually seems unhappy. Gabe Davis up for contract. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, both 32. Tredavious White's 28, going on 32 because of all those injuries. What happens now? The Bengals, same thing, right? They didn't win with Joe Burrow on a rookie contract. Now he's going to be on that that second contract. Uh, Jamar Chase, yeah, he's still there. He's going to get that that contract. But what about T. Higgins? T. Higgins has been a free agency, yeah. They already had to get rid of, was it Von Bell and uh, who was their other safety? Uh, Jesse Bates. Yeah. Right, So, so... the Chiefs, just trying to put some perspective here. I know things at times look a little, little doom and gloom, but yeah. they're 8-4, and four and they've, yeah, and here's the other they've thing. done all this. If you're going to trade up in the first round, you gotta, you're got you going to have to give up some major draft capital to do that. Yes. So you're, you're cutting, you know, you're cutting your future year's potential off on, on moving up. And if you do that, you better not miss, right? Which they didn't with Patrick Mahomes as a perfect example. Didn't yeah. miss. Um. The FAU draft pick, I liked it. I, I think sure. he was. I, I think he's still going to be a good player. He's always going to been a was always going to be a developmental player. Mm-hmm. But they're also fortunate this year. You know, people were talking. They only had three offensive or defensive snaps last night. Like when Amenahu came back, Amenahu was going to get those snaps. Yeah. And Karloftis is playing well, and the emergence of Mike Dana as a constant on the right side there on the defensive end has afforded them the ability to make this more of a developmental year for FAU. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good spot to be in. Now, two, three years down the road from now, right, if we're looking at that and going, okay, he hasn't worked out, you know, then we can start to criticize a little bit that pick. But you, you can't just plug and play and say, okay, this is a defensive end, and they took him at the end of the first round because the draft was here, and he's a Lee Summit kid, and he's went to K-State. You know, all these different factors that I've heard people say on things like – we can make that judgment in three years. And again, edge rushers, have you seen the contracts around the oh, NFL? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you can get a rookie one who can yeah. make any sort of impact, you're already ahead of the game. I Absolutely. mean, again, Charles Amina, who was, a, I think, a good signing. Yep. But again, we're not talking about a Bosa brother. We're not talking about right. TJ Watt. Right. It's $8 million a year. Yeah. It's two years, $16 mil. Yep. I mean, if you can get that on a rookie deal, that opens up to, again, allows you to potentially have more wide receivers. But, again, the Chiefs decided to do something a little different. They've paid their offensive line, their left guard, Joe yep. Tooney, a lot of money. Uh, and, obviously, Jawan Taylor, that was the biggest offseason signing. $20 mil per, uh, per year, four-year contract. I was a little skeptical at the time. I'm still a little skeptical now. But what have you taken away from the offensive line so far? Because the offensive line... Even the interior, it seems like at times, has not been as good as last year. And I wonder if some of the penalties from uh, Jawan and Donovan have brought a closer eye. Again, we, we talked about the Creed Humphrey yeah. non-penalty that was called a penalty. I wonder if that brings a closer eye to those guys. I think in some ways it brings a little bit of a closer eye. But I also look at both of these two tackles were two of the most penalized tackles in football a year ago. Correct. Right? They are who they are. And so, again, when you look at the Chiefs over the years on things, they've been kind of spoiled at the tackle position, right? When Mitchell Schwartz held down the right side for a long time and was an all-pro and probably should have been an all-pro more than ever he was, you know, pro bowl stuff, um, really underrated. And Eric Fisher, even for being a 1-1 pick, was a, was a solid left tackle his entire career here, um, you know, to go back a couple years. But – Again, those are two of the most penalized tackles in the league a year ago. You already knew what you were getting. But they had to do something, and sometimes you have to pay a little bit of a premium or you have to pay, um, you know, maybe not even a premium, but you're going to have to pay for some of those guys. Those are two important positions on the offensive line. I think the offensive line has played pretty well this year overall. Um, When you bring in two new guys, obviously 
Smith and um, and Jawan Taylor, that's two out of the five that you've turned over, right? That's not one. It's not. It's two out of the five. There's got to be some continuity that happens there. I think they're playing okay. I think they've played better. Um, they've had better stretches over the course of the year. They've been a little inconsistent from time to time. Sure. But for the most part, I've been extremely pleased with the way they've played. I mean, we it hasn't been a situation where – Really, to me, that there's been a game yet this year where, like, wow, the offensive line really got whipped. Sure. You know? And I think that's exactly what you want. And I will also say I loved the Wanye Morris pick. That was my yeah. favorite pick of the draft. It was nice seeing him again. I don't want to see injury to any player, so it's tough for Donovan Smith, who had that neck injury, was going in and out of the game uh, pretty much the entire game. But Wanye Morris, I thought, held down very well. Again, as you mentioned earlier on, he was very good as a run blocker, yep. which was nice to see from him. Um, again, pass protection has been the key for the Chiefs' offense because, of course, if you have Mahomes, yep. that, that, that's going to be more important. But it's nice seeing a little, little nasty streak from Wanye Morris. It is, and you've got depth there, right? Like, he's a yeah. rookie, developmental guy. It's difficult to come into the middle of a game like that all of a sudden off the sideline, and all of a sudden you got pass rushers coming your direction. You know, like Sean Gary's coming up. Yeah, Sean Gary coming up. Yeah, like, that's not an easy task for anybody. And they've got they've got good depth there right now, right? Everything hinges on if they can all stay healthy, right, in, in certain aspects. But Nick Allegretti, as a backup guard, chose to stay here in free agency. Like, he could be a starter on a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. He is a solid guard that – you know, not a lot of people remember him. He started games for this team. He subbed in when he's needed to come in in relief and played well. They've got good depth there across the board. I like where they're at. Uh, again, we are here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway for the KC Legends Show. Chiefs wide receiver Mark Richter is our guest. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to KC Legend Show right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB again here live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Former Chiefs wide receiver Mark Bo Richter as we wrap up and send you to Monday Night Football. Bengals heading down to Jacksonville against the Jaguars. Jaguars 8-3. Bengals 5-6 and six as their playoff hopes are slipping away. Yeah. This is... Uh... Who's Jacksonville have down the stretch here? They got a fairly tough schedule yet. Uh, Jacksonville has up next, obviously, uh, Cincy, then at Cleveland, against Baltimore, at Tampa Bay, against Carolina, at Tennessee. So that little stretch against uh, at Cleveland, against Baltimore, is pretty tough. Yeah. yeah. This is an important game for them because they're in the driver's seat right now in the AFC South. The Bengals, of course, losing Joe Burrow. When you lose your starting quarterback and a quarterback like that in the caliber of this league, Everybody writes you off, right, on stuff. And a little bit with them, it, 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 he makes that team go. And they're clearly not as strong without him. But, you know, their playoff lives are kind of up against themselves right now. And they got off to a bad start because he was hurt and different things. Are you talking about Florida State right now? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we won't get into the football playoff on side of things. But I like Jacksonville in this game tonight. It's at home. Um you know, the Bengals are kind of teetering on that spot of you never really think this in the locker room a little bit, but as an outside guy, you look at it and go, okay, how much, are, how long are we going to hang on to this? You know, sure. everything. Are we going to be able to, to hold it together and make a little run here, or are we going to, you know, kind of fold the tent and look to next year? What do you take, uh, the 10 points? Do you take it? Do you, do, you, do you think they cover, or is that a uh, you don't touch 10 points in the NFL? Oh, that's tough. Any two scores is tough in the NFL. It yeah. really is. But, and, and the other thing is, 
Trevor Lawrence hasn't thrown for a lot of touchdown passes this year. He's been 12. good. He's 12. been good. He hasn't been bad, but he certainly has not been better than good. I'll say that, right, on stuff. So I, I wouldn't touch the 10. That's uh, just where I'm at. I've said it for a while now. The prince who was promised has uh, been underwhelming. 12 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He has been good but not spectacular. The folks that think he is Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, uh, I am sorry you were wrong. Uh, Mark Borichter, though, former Chiefs wide receiver, I think he's always right. This was the KC Legend Show right here as we were live at Hollywood Casino at Kansas Speedway. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Up next, Monday Night Football.